Well, thank you, Lydia and Louise, for that wonderful piece. Beautifully sung, as always. You always do a great job, and we just really appreciate you and all of our singers who send these songs in for us week after week. God richly bless you uh, for your faithfulness, and we do appreciate it. We're going to turn right now to the Word of God, and we're going to speak again on dealing with fear. This will be our final week. It's our third week, but it'll be the final week. Psalm 56, please, and we'll read from verse 1. We'll just read a few verses, and then we'll look at it a little bit more as we go through it, as the Lord leads. Psalm 56, verse 1 says, Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Let's just burn a word of prayer. Father, we pray right now that you would take your own divine and inspired word and inscribe it into our hearts and imprint it within our minds and help us, Lord, and teach us, Lord, and deal with us, Lord. Lord, whatever you see fit to do, would you do? And glorify your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and all that is done. For his name's sake, we pray and ask it. Amen. We have looked at the last two weeks in different parts and portions of the Scripture. And again, we want to start with Psalm 56. Then we'll look somewhere else as well, other parts of the Word. Notice in Psalm 56, again, in verse 3, David is contemplating fear. He's contemplating fear. What time I am afraid I will trust in these. Contemplating what he'll do when fear comes. And it's okay to say, well, I'll do this and I'll do that. When you're in the middle of it, sometimes it's even harder to understand and to know what to do. So it's not contemplating as, a, as though we're saying, well, I'll never be afraid. It's understanding fear will come to all of us. And we're all afraid of something at some time and at some point. For example, people think that great war heroes have fought battles and they have went up the beaches of Normandy or wherever they have went and they have attacked bunkers that were firing from machine guns at them and they have overcome the enemy there and they think, wow, they must never be afraid. And the idea of that is that's not true whatsoever. Speaking to any of them or interviews, you see them on. These people are saying, these men would say that they were afraid, but they did it anyway. And so it's not about never fearing, feeling fear, but it's feeling the fear and doing it anyway. That's courage. Courage is doing it, putting it into action in the face of your fear. Fear, remember, can be rational or irrational. Fear can be good in a sense and fear can be bad in another sense. If you remember part one, there's an irrational bad, if I could put it that way, a fear where uh, someone would say, uh, I never cross that road. Where the good fear is, someone would say, look right and left or both ways when you cross that road to make sure there's no cars on it. That's an instinctive fear that is, and a fear that's taught to us in order to preserve us. We don't get knocked down. 
But to say never cross that road, then that instills a fear and captures us and we become prisoner to it, then we'll never get across that other side. Just using that as an example as I did in part one. And so there's fear that can grip a heart. Fear grips a heart and generally we find it is in the night watches. It's when you think that everyone's asleep and you're the only one in the whole wide world that's awake. And you're the only one in your own mind, in your own head that knows all of these things that you're thinking of. And so fear spirals until it spirals like a whirlwind out of control. And suddenly you've got such and such an illness. You become a doctor in your fear, false doctor. You know, you, you, you think you've got this illness and that illness. And then you, you, the devil comes and tells you that you're never going to make it. You're never going to do. You're never going to get through it. And all of those things put us into fear. And your mind starts getting worse. And what happens? You start coming down. And you start being enslaved by him. You start being enslaved by your own thoughts. Now, I notice here David is saying, what time I am afraid. I know I'm going to be afraid. What am I going to do? I will trust in thee. I will trust in thee. And it's taking those thoughts captive under the obedience of the word of God in Christ and saying, Lord, these things are coming, but some high in me is telling me to trust in you, to believe in you, to hope in you, to hold on to you. That's where our faith overcomes our fear. Our faith should be prevalent in all things. Faith telling us, Things are going to get better. Faith telling us, I'm going to make it. Faith telling us, I'm going to get through this. Faith telling us, God is for us and not against us. Faith telling us, since God be for us, who can be against us? So faith is believing that which you cannot see. Faith is that you believe and know and have experienced the presence and the power of God in your life. And you know through his word, which will not return unto him void, that his word tells us that we can rely on him, trust in him, and that he will not leave us, neither will he forsake us. Whatever the trouble, whatever the bother, whatever the worry, whatever the anxiety, whatever the fear, fear can be your worst enemy. Fear, as I said before, can drive you to a polar extreme from where faith can take you. And faith wants to take you higher. Faith wants to take you further. Faith wants to bring you deeper. Faith wants to bring you into God. But fear wants to hold you back, imprison you, and encapture you that you can't think. Fear will cripple you. You are debilitated with fear. Fear will make you feel you have no legs. As it were, no legs to walk with God, no legs to run with God, no legs, that spiritual legs to seek after God. And fear will make you feel like that. Fear will bring you to that place. And on many occasions, fear is, uh, 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 F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R, fear. False evidence appearing real. But if you want to put it into faith, F-A-I-T-H. F-A-I-T-H is forsaking all, I'll trust him. So what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Then in verse 4, we see the challenge of him. His challenge to fear. Verse 4, in God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. 
Look, I will not fear. Brother, sister, we need to get it into our spirit, not just into a fleeting thought that's with us now and gone tomorrow, or even with us now and gone with your next thought. We must get it in, settled in our hearts, settled in our breast, that we will not fear. We will not fear. Listen, there will come a time should Jesus tarry, and not only should Jesus tarry if if, if he is away for, it doesn't return for so many years, but in those, those years, if, if the Lord spares us for many years, and we're living and breathing for many years, no matter what, if Jesus tarry, we're going to come to a place, a point, and a time where the death dew will lie cold on our brow. And it's that time when our faith must overcome our fear that we might be in victory as we enter through the veil. Notice that. So this is what we must realize is our faith must overcome our fear. You must overcome. Here is the practice point. This life is a training ground for the life that is to come. But here is the practice point for you, my friend, to overcome. Challenge your fear. Why am I afraid? Ask yourself, brother. Ask yourself, sister. Sit in your own mind because that's where it comes. Ask yourself, brother, and ask yourself, sister, why am I afraid? Of whom am I afraid? For what reason am I afraid? For what purpose am I afraid? Of what cause am I afraid? Here the psalmist, he starts to challenge fear. He says, I will not fear. Wouldn't it be good if we were to put as much energy as it were to into our faith and our walk with God as it were we put into our fears? Wouldn't it be even better if we were to challenge our fears and say, I will not fear. Why? Because God is on my side. We have read the back of the book. Jesus has conquered all for us. He says in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Didn't say be of great fear. He says be of good cheer. He says, I have overcome the world. Praise God we're in Christ tonight, those of us who are saved. And so because we are in Christ, we have overcome. And we can overcome him. Listen, the book of Revelation, the, the, the apostle John tells us of the saints and says they overcame him, the devil. Listen, by the blood of the lamb. Are you washed in the blood? Are you washed in the blood? Are you covered in the blood? Are you by faith come to Calvary's tree? Are you washed and covered and cleansed in the blood? Because if you are, if you're a saint, then you are, because that's what makes you a saint. A saint isn't someone calling you a saint. A saint isn't someone canonizing you a saint. You are made a saint by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, by the calling of God to the cross of Calvary, the washing of the blood, and the sealing. For time and eternity. So are you a blood-washed, blood-bought child of God? Are you a saint of the Most High? Are you Christ's? Then if you are, if you are, then if you're under the blood, you have overcome him, the devil. You've already overcome the devil. We just need to learn what to do. You have overcome him by the blood of the Lamb. Notice, and by the word of their testimony. You know you can't have a testimony if you're not under the blood. Good living isn't a testimony. Good living isn't people looking and saying, well, they must be a Christian. Churchianity, religiosity, ritualism is not good testimony. Christ in you is the testimony. 
The testimony really is not yours, although you're living it out. The testimony is what God has done in you in the person of Christ and what Christ has done for you at Calvary's cross and how you are living in the faith and the victory of it. So challenge the fear. We can contemplate it. Absolutely, we all do. If fear comes, I will trust in you. Now we're saying, in God will I praise praise his word. In other words, I will praise you for your word, Lord. I will praise you for what you have said, Lord. I will praise you, Lord, because you've told me, Lord. That's what the psalmist is saying. I'll praise you because your word has proclaimed it over me and to me. So you've said it. That settles it. Lord, I'll believe it. And he says that he's with you. Then believe it. If he says you're going through, then believe it. If he says you're not staying in the valley, he's bringing you through, then be patient for it. Because the word of the Lord is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And listen, it cuts both ways here. It cuts both ways. And sometimes the same word that tells us is that we are going through, that we're overcomers and we're going over, is the same word that tells us what to put right in our life to help us out. So notice here, he says, in God I will praise his word, or I'll praise you for your word. I can tell you, friend, there's nothing like holding this book. There's nothing like having this book and being able to turn to it and read it. I think of the years and the years when this book was written in Latin and chained to the pulpit of the chapels of Rome. I think of the years when none could have the comfort and the blessing and the strength and the help that this brings. I think of the years that the instruction of the Lord was not known, called the dark ages for a reason. And it wasn't just dark in every way, but spiritually dark. And the people were dying without God, without Christ, and without hope in the world. But we have, thankfully, this book, the little book open of Revelation chapter 10. Here we have it that we can read it. We can eat it up. We can receive it because we'll believe it. We'll hold to it and we'll trust God for it. And that's what this word says. So let's do it. Let's challenge our fears because of the word of God. Oh, yes, we can contemplate it because we all will at some time. And when those thoughts come and when that fear starts to move in us and to come upon us, challenge it right away, nip it as it were on the bud and say, here is the word of the Lord. I think of the Lord Jesus Christ in the wilderness, emaciated from hunger, after being uh, without food for 40 days and 40 nights. Oh, I think of him being thirsty. I think of his skin sticking, as it were, cleaving to his bones. I think of him there with the wild beasts off the wilderness. And there the old serpent, that old devil, comes to test him and to try him and to tempt him. Oh, as a man, any of us would have given anything for a last drop of water. Oh, like that rich man in the parable and the man Lazarus who was at the rich man's gate and was pleading for something and, and, it was, and he died and he went to Abraham's bosom. And I think of the rich man who was, it says, and in hell, he looked up and beheld Abraham with, the, with Lazarus. And, and he says, let, let Lazarus come and dip his finger in water and cool my tongue. There's nothing like needing a, 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 refreshing, a refreshing drop of water when you're, when you're thirsty in the flesh. But, oh, friend, hear the Lord Jesus Christ in this wilderness 
going through an earthly trial, a terrible long trial. Here he is being tested and the old wicked one comes. Oh, if I can just get him, if I can just get him to bow once to me, to yield once out of his father's will, not to do his father's work, nor to fulfill his father's word, then Ken Davidson and many like as Andrew Steele, he does the work down the back here. And many of us, we will not be saved. And there he comes to trust and to try our Savior. And what does he do in the weakness of the flesh? He challenges all that comes against him and the devil. And he takes hold of the word of God. And he says three times written in the book of Deuteronomy. It is written. It is written. It is written. Why? Because he, he knew the word of God was tried. He knew the word of God was tested. He knew the word of God was settled. And he knew the word of God was sure. And he knew the word of God was secure. For he is the divine word of the Father in flesh. And here he says, it is written, it is written, it is written like a swordsman taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And he thrusts once and twice and parries the third into, as it were, the heart of the devil, the wicked one. And what happens? He flees from him for a season, but he comes back again to see he's crucified at the cross. But I can tell you, When the devil thought he had him nailed hand and foot to the tree. When the devil thought that he had him with a crown of thorns upon his back. When the devil thought he had him with all of the crowds around about him. When the devil thought he had him encompassed with all of those haters off him. When he says, I've got him now. Yes, he died, but Jesus gave his life. And he was not a victim. He was a, he was a victor. He was victorious. He went to the tomb and up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He rose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with the saints to reign and we will reign with him and we will reign with him when he comes again. Challenge your fear, brother. Challenge your fear, sister. Oh, it's hard and it's difficult, but faith lays hold upon the Word of God. Listen, one old Puritan once said of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God, he says, the Holy Spirit rides most furiously in his own chariot. And the Holy Ghost, when you open his chariot, as it were, the Word of God, the Holy Ghost rides most furiously to your help and to your comfort. And he rides most furiously to your instruction. When you open the book and lay hold of the Word that he shows and he proves there he shows us we are more than conquerors through him that loved us so here challenge your fear brother challenge your fear sister in God will I praise his word or in other words he's saying I will praise him for his word in God I have put my trust I will not fear I will not fear what flesh can do Unto me. And notice this here then. Thirdly, there is conquering fear. Oh, we've already touched it, but let's look at it in verse. It's in verse 11, but let's just read verse 8. Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? Here he's in a run and he's saying, Lord, you know all about me. Lord, you know every step that I have taken. Lord, from I have taken every step, you've numbered it. Even Job says, I countest my steps. In all of his calamity and in all of his problems, 
and in all of his worries. And he lost his family and he lost his business and he lost his, his fortune. And he lost his cattle and he lost his herd and he lost his home. And he lost everything. His own children were taken and they, were, they died. And, and Job here is sitting in dust and ashes mourning as we all would. Mourning. Even he could come to the place where he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. He says, you know all my steps. Thou hast numbered my steps. Notice here the psalmist says in Psalm 56 and in verse 8, Thou tellest my wanderings. I remember the first time my children took their steps to walk. Every parent tries to be there if they can. They do their best. They want to see their child's first step to walk. Everywhere they walked, and then all the ornaments have to go up on the different shelves because they're grabbing hold as they start walking around the room. And they fall many a times, and we pick them up, and we see they're all right, and we set them on. And such is our God who walks with us. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there. None other has ever known. Oh, to walk with him, to know that he walks with us, to know that he's right beside us. Yea, he's closer than a heartbeat away, for he doth live in our very breast. Here, he numbers our steps. He tells our wanderings. My feet have taken me places I wish I'd never been. But he's cleansed me from all my sin and his blood. He's cleansed me from all my unrighteousness. Notice here, he tells my wanderings, the first steps of a baby, a child, and you count them. Think of it from you were a young baby or a child. One, two, three. And the parents are so excited about it. And then they just get used to you walking. Glad you're walking, but they get used to you walking. But your father has watched every one of them. Your father has numbered every one of them. That's how personal our Lord Jesus is to us. He's a personal saviour. He's a personal Lord. He's a personal God. He's a personal friend. He's a personal father. And he numbers our steps. Knows everything. Knows where you are. None of us are out of his sight. And notice here, put thou my tears into thy bottle. Just this last couple of days, I've been with a family who are grieving. Tragic accident of a loved one who died. And their tears are flowing. Their tears are bitter. Their tears are hard. Their tears are like, like rivers of water. a loved one taken away in an accident so suddenly. Every one of their tears have been bottled by the Lord. Every one that's ran down the cheek, every one that's wet the eye, every one that's been wiped with a tissue or a handkerchief, every one that's been seen and every one that has not been seen has been put into, as it were, the bottle of the Lord. He knows each tear. How Wonderful is our God.
He knows every step. He knows every tear. He knows everywhere. He knows everything. He knows every heartache and he knows every pain. He knows every thought. He knows you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Are they not in thy book? He's written everything down. People keep journals or diaries. And they keep it so as they can look back maybe at certain times in life. Certain things that's happened. And they can reflect themselves as they look back. God doesn't need to reflect for he never forgets. The idea of God has put our, our trials and troubles into a book is this. Is that every experience is never a wasted experience. Every time you've went through something has never been something that has escaped the mind of your father. Every lost loved one. Every heartache and pain. Every trial and trouble. He knows us. And he loves us. Don't be afraid. Verse 9 says, When I cry unto thee, then shall my enemies turn back. Now notice... We're looking at conquering fear. Look at the run into this. Lord, when I pray, the enemy turns back. Oh, isn't it the old hymn, Satan trembles, when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. Every time you might be at your weakest and your frailest and you're getting on your knees, as it were, you're lifting your voice to heaven, you're crying unto God, you've fixed your heart and your mind upon him. Every time you do it in your worry and your fear, anxiety, and all the troubles and depressions and sadnesses that come upon you, every single time you just turn your mind, as it were, your eyes, your voice to God, he's there waiting. We don't have to wait on him coming to us. He's with us all the time. He's there when we're conscious of him and he's there when we're unconscious of him. He's there when we go to bed at night and he's there when you're sleeping throughout the night. He's watching over us during the night and he's there when I awake. I'm still with thee, Lord, saith the psalmist. He's there when we close our eyes on death and he brings us through the veil and through the valley. We will not fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, said the psalmist. Yes, he is there. Every time we turn our eyes, our hearts to him. When I cry unto thee, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. That's how we conquer. We turn ourselves to the Lord. Many people run. Many people hide. Many people try to uh, find an escape hatch by doing other things or going other places or, 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 or whatever that vice or place may be. And that's the wrong way. Turn, run to the Lord. Cry unto the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Give it to the Lord. For there you'll, fear, feel, uh, or there you'll realize that your fear no longer has a grip on you, but rather, as it were, you're digging in with faith and you're trusting in the hand of God. He says, I, when I turn to you, you're there. When I turn to you, listen, once you get on your knees, no matter how weak you are, once you turn your eyes to God, once you lift your voice to heaven, the devil starts to quake. 
The devil starts to get worried. Oh, the devil would just love you not to turn to God. He would love you not to open his book, not to open this word. He would love it if you never read your Bible again. He would love it if you never went to pray over that issue. He would love it even if you failed him, even if you fail, even if you've sinned, even if you've rebelled against him. Get on your knees and cry unto God. And he'll forgive you. He'll forgive you. There's no fear. Listen, some people, through lack of prayer, their character changes. Their character changes. No saying is, when I don't pray for a day or two, I feel it. When I don't pray for a week or two, the man said, my wife feels it. Because our attitude changes. And we start struggling in our hearts. Do we even want to go to pray? I know I should pray, but I'd rather stay here. I'd rather watch this program. I'd rather read this magazine or whatever it is. And so then when things come, the fear can grip us. Anxieties can come. Friend, turn to him and trust in him. In God will I praise his word. Verse 10, in God... Well, I praise his word. Here he tells it again. And God, will I praise his word. It's the second time, verse 4 and in verse 10. And God, will I praise his word. In the Lord, will I praise his word. Notice, in God. In other words, here's the great Elohim. But in the Lord, that is, we're stepping closer. You know why? We're stepping in into the redemptive name of God. The God who redeems us. You know what Jacob said when he was blessing with that crossed over hand, blessing the sons of Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh? The Lord which hath redeemed me all my life. God which redeemed me and has blessed me all my life, bless the lads. Even facing death, he could bless because he knew the redemption of the Lord. And you know, friend, It's knowing that we're redeemed, blood washed. Here we draw nearer, we draw closer. Verse 10, in God will I praise his word. In other words, in his word we'll praise him. In the Lord, we start drawing in. He starts feeding us. We start feeding off him. We start eating the word of God. We start praising him in the word of God. The word of God is living and starts to speak unto us. and, and, And the fears start to crumble start to break up and start to leave us. And in God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. In God I put my trust. Or in God have I put my trust. He's not asking a question. He's making a proclamation. I've put my trust in him. Here we have conquering fear. See how he's changing? I will not be afraid. Notice I will not be afraid. What does he say? I will not fear what flesh can do unto me in verse 4. And then in verse 11, I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Verse 12 says, Thy vows are upon me, O God. That's enough. That's enough. Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee. Then there's confidence, no fear. 
Notice here, for thou hast delivered my soul from death. He's talking present tense. I'm yours. I've been through it, Lord. You've brought me through it, Lord. I'm yours. Thou hast delivered my soul from death. I wilt, wilt, wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living. Notice these four points here, and we see the end of it all. And before I bring this to a close, there's something I want to look at. Again, the title, the opening title of Psalm 56, to the chief musician. Not that any musician would do. David wanted this to be the chief musician. Upon Jonah, Elam writes, O come. Remember, it means a dumb dove. David likened himself to a dumb dove afar off, or in another country, or among strangers, it means. The dumb dove afar off. Mitch Tom of David, an engraving of his heart. David's heart was engraved with this. Listen, make your make your experience something that teaches you that you can hand down that experience to someone else. Don't live in it. Don't allow it to live in you. But let the scar be the remembrance of it. We looked at it before, but David in Psalm First Samuel, pardon me. In First Samuel chapter 21, he ran from fear. And this is what he's speaking of here. This is after this. He, he ran, runs in fear of Saul who's looking to kill him. And we're told he ran to a chish, the king of Gath of the Philistines. And, and a chish seen him and David was sore afraid. It got worse. He ran, fear made him, drove him to that polar extreme where he ran away from the vow of God, the promise of God, the covenant of God, the protection of God. And so when he ran away, he came to a church, the king of Gath, and he spat down his beard and he clawed his nails down the doorpost. And really a church thought that he was a madman and sent him away. In Psalm 34, it's a psalm after the experience that had happened. Psalm 34, it says, a psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech. As I said last week, Abimelech is a title. Achish was the name of the, the king, but the Abimelech is a title like the king or the Caesar or Pharaoh. He changed his name before Abimelech, who drove him away and he departed. Listen to what he says. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all thy fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. Notice verse 6. This poor man cried. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. What's David saying? If we fear the Lord, all other fears will leave us. When we fear the Lord more than anyone else, we realize his love is greater. And when we fear the Lord, there's nothing else to fear. 
Notice here, just for time, and we're closing. Let your eye run down the Psalm 34, please. And let your eye run down to verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and deliver them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of of them all. So, friend, that's David after his experience. The engraving is in his heart. He has this experience and he speaks about it in Psalm 56. Then after it's all over and he realizes when he's turned to the Lord and all is taken from him, all the fears from him, he realizes, well, after all, God had it in control. I need not fear. One verse from Psalm 64 and verse 1. Hear my voice, O God, in my prayer. This is a voice and a prayer. Well, there's voices in every prayer, as we might say. Our voices speak prayers, and that may be true, but here he means there's something of a, of a definite tone. There's a heartfelt experience from this. Lord, would you really hear what I'm saying? Preserve my life from the fear of the enemy. You notice what David isn't saying? He isn't saying, preserve me from the enemy. He isn't even saying, preserve my life from the enemy. He's not saying that. He's saying, preserve my life from the fear. The fear of the enemy. You know, fear will drive you. Or love can drive you. And we can say, Lord, preserve my life from the fear. Don't let fear rule you. But rather turn to the Lord and let yourself be overcome with faith. And let faith be your guide in Christ according to the word of the Lord. May God help you, strengthen you, and bless you at this time, wherever you are, whoever you are, whenever you are. And may the word of the Lord take it, take your heart and give you something to hold on to. For Jesus' name's sake, amen. Well, thank you for your attention this morning. That has been a word of prayer. Father, for those who need to hear a word from you this morning, we pray that this word would be for them. For those that need to hear a word from you this time, whenever they watch it live or later, Whenever it may be, Lord, may this be a word for them. And may your word strike a chord in their heart to the glory of your name. And Lord, strengthen your people. Encourage them in the faith. And build them up, I pray. Do what man cannot do. and Glorify your son for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. And we'll see you again soon.